Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless, the podcast that teaches you how to live a healthier lifestyle that makes you and the planet happier. The world is changing quickly. Sometimes it feels like you can't keep up. I hear you. You want to make the world a better place. You care, but you don't know where to start. You know taking care of yourself is important, but how? I get it. I have a history of diving into a new endeavor, seeking perfection, and quickly feeling like I failed. Whether it was going vegan or learning how to recycle more, I wish I had guidance to keep me on track and not overwhelmed. I can't lie, the world needs your help. But it doesn't need you to be perfect. This podcast is here to help. Here we go. This episode is a mashup of previous episodes I did in 2001 all about depression. An important part for me about conscious living is talking honestly about my mental health. Okay, so today we are talking about depression. So let me backtrack. I have dealt with depression and anxiety for a few years now. And actually, as I kind of work through things and reflect on things, I realize that I was probably dealing with depression for longer than that, but just wasn't naming it and probably didn't want to call it that. But that's a whole other issue. So even if you've experienced it, depression can look different for everybody. And especially if you haven't experienced it, it can be hard to kind of wrap your head around. Even with all the work I did in my past and present, working as an advocate, working as a advocate for survivors of dating violence and sexual assault and all of that, it doesn't matter. If you haven't experienced it directly, it is a little bit of a disconnect. And that's not good or bad, but that just is. It's hard to explain to someone who hasn't totally dealt with it. It's hard It's hard for me to even explain because I thought I was really with it and on top of it. And until I actually experienced it, I realized that I didn't totally grasp it. So I want this episode to be kind of a 101. I'm going to do a few different parts of supporting someone with depression because I think that it is really important to learn how to help somebody. So whether it's your partner, your spouse, your best friend, your kid, your parent, your whoever, if you are a support person in that person's life, it is important to think about how to do better and how to be there for them. So in this part, part one, I want to just do a 101 of depression to kind of just lay the foundation. So I have a Mayo Clinic article that I'm looking at right now that I'm using and that I'll put in the show notes. But this article lists the long list of potential symptoms of depression that vary from person to person. And I'm going to read them because I think it's really important to hear all of the different ways depression can manifest for someone. So feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness, angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, even over small matters, loss of interest or pleasure in most or all normal activities, such as sex, hobbies, or sports, insomnia, or sleeping too much, Tiredness and lack of energy, so even small tasks take extra effort. Changes in appetite, reduced appetite and weight loss or increased cravings for food and weight gain. Anxiety, agitation or restlessness. 
slowed thinking, speaking, or body movements, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, fixating on past failures, or blaming yourself for things that aren't your responsibility. Trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, and remembering things. Frequent or recurrent mention of death, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts, or suicide. And unexplained physical problems such as back pain or headaches. So the article goes on to detail that depression symptoms usually are severe enough to cause noticeable problems in day-to-day activities like work, school, social activities, relationships with others. Other people may feel generally miserable or unhappy without knowing why. So let's talk about a few of these quick, and then I will detail my own experience with depression, just because that's what I can speak to, to kind of help, maybe help you understand as the listener, if this is something that you've never experienced. So... There are the typical ones that we think of when we think of depression. Sadness, maybe lack of appetite, sleeping a lot. But what we don't talk about as much, I would say, is the physical manifestation. So back pain or headaches or the irritability, the frustration, or the feelings of guilt, fixating on past failures. We don't talk about those as much because we kind of have this societal stereotype about what depression looks like and then how that looks for people. And like I've already established, it's different for every single person. Every single human being's depression is going to look different. So what did mine look like? I will speak to my own experience. I, when I am kind of deep in my depression, I am definitely sad and hopeless. That was the last thing that kind of scared me when talking to my therapist was I've never felt so hopeless. And even though I logically can think that my life is okay, I can't escape the fact that I feel hopeless. And that started to scare me. Another thing that I think I definitely experienced was feeling guilty When I look at my life, I'm like, wow, I'm super privileged. I have all these amazing things going for me. I have a job. I have family that cares for me. You know, I can list a zillion things going right for me. So to experience depression is, it it felt like it was just not right. Like it was me doing something wrong because how can I have this great life and be so privileged and have things other people would dream of and feel so shitty? So I felt guilty, like I was an asshole, basically, that I shouldn't feel this way. And because I internalized that for a while, I wasn't talking about how I was feeling because I didn't want anybody to think I was being a brat, which is so fucked, right? Because that just made it worse. But that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Those feelings of guilt are so, so real for people. I was also getting some headaches and definite sleeping too much. I'm still recovering and kind of trying to fix my sleep pattern because I slept more than I ever even knew was possible for me to sleep when my depression is like really bad for a long sustained period of time. I also had a change in appetite. I was not as hungry. I just couldn't eat. Or if I was hungry, nothing sounded right. And then I would try and eat and I'd feel sick. 
And that's another thing about the physical manifestation. Like it's not all just in the mind. It's not all just rumination. There's reactions in our bodies because there is no just mental health or physical health or whatever. It's all connected. So I think the the interesting thing about talking about depression is that if you haven't experienced it, and I wondered this to myself a long time ago, was just kind of like, what is the point of just having a bad day versus depression? So these symptoms are depression when they become severe enough to, like the article said, cause those day-to-day problems. So it's one thing to have a bad day. Like, let's just say everything in your day goes wrong. You're feeling really really shitty and you're like, I just want to go to bed. This day is dumb. That's one thing. We all have bad days. When that's sustained, when you can't get out of that, when those thought patterns are so intrusive that you can't not feel hopeless and when you can't not feel guilty or when you start to feel suicidal or when you're not eating or you're not moving your body like you do, like when the things are sustained, it's not just a bad day, but, you know, bad days turn into bad weeks and bad months. That is when it turns into depression. That is what happened for me. It was just like, I can't, I'm not just having multiple bad days in a row. I'm down for the count here. And I think that's really important to remember too, because some people minimize the symptoms of depression. Like, well, yeah, I have a loss of interest in my favorite hobby or sex. Like that just happened to me last week. Like, okay, but did that sustain itself then? And did you still feel a loss of interest? It's that sustained thing. It's not just a bad day. And that's really important. So that is kind of the overview of what depression is. Obviously, I could talk about a million more things and go into things much deeper, but I want to do a few different short episodes here. I want to do one about ways to help someone, things not to say, because I think that's really important, and also how to help yourself or encourage ways of growth and healing if you yourself are experiencing depression as well. So we'll get to all of that, but this is just part one. So let me know what you think and I will share part two shortly. And if you are experiencing depression or need support, please, please, please reach out to loved ones or to a therapist or a hotline or whatever it is. You deserve that help. So in today's episode, it is part two of the Depression 101 conversation, let's say, that I started with the last episode. So if you haven't, go listen to part one of Depression 101. That is just kind of the overview of what depression is. That might help. If you haven't listened to that, that's okay too, because today we are going to talk about things not to do to support someone with depression. And I want to start here because it's just a good place to start. Next episode, I'll talk about what to do, but let's get these things out of the way first. So first of all, before I get into this list, if you have done any of these things that is on this, what not to do to help someone with depression, if you have done any of these things, it is okay. 
you most likely did not mean to do something that wasn't helpful. Oftentimes, these things on this what not to do list that we're going to go through are coming from a really good place, from a really good intention of just trying to help someone. But especially if you haven't experienced it yourself, you don't realize that these things don't land exactly how you intend them to with someone with depression. So it's okay. I don't want you to walk away from this episode and feel guilty or feel like you're a shitty person. I've done some of these things. Like I've done some of these things in the past and I'm someone who's dealt with depression. So it's okay. You might do these things in the future, but hopefully listening to this list and talking about this will kind of keep it on your radar or help you understand why they're not as useful as it may seem. So let's dive in. I have another article that I'm using that I'll share in the show notes. That's just like a really good jumping off point. So things not to do. And this list I really liked, which is why I'm I'm using it. And I'll share some of them on this list because... Yeah, it just it just really rang true with me that these things were like, no, thank you. So number one is don't take things personally. I'm going to read that again. Number one, do not take things personally. Y'all, this is hard. This is hard in life, but this is especially hard if you have a partner going through depression. I know that was hard in my last relationship, If you have a really close friend or a family member, this one is really hard when it's someone that you are in some sort of relationship with, whether romantic or familial or friendship or whatever. This little section, I'm going to read you this because it's so poignant. Quote, your friend's depression isn't your fault, just as it's not their fault. Try not to let it get to you if they seem to lash out at you in anger or frustration. Keep canceling plans, forget to follow up, or don't do much of anything. You might, at some point, need a break from your friend. It's okay to space yourself out if you are emotionally drained. It's also important to avoid blaming your friend or saying things that might contribute to their negative feelings. So you can talk to another supportive person in your life or consider talking to a therapist even about how to support them. So that is really, really important. It is so hard to explain to someone you're close to that it's not their fault. It is not their fault. I was, when I was really kind of struggling the most with my depression, I think it was really hard for my partner to not internalize that. It was really hard for my partner in my past relationship to not think it was their fault. And it makes sense now that I'm out of it and look back because it looks like you're being triggered by them. But really, it's just because you're around that person the most. So these things are going to come out in front of them more often. So don't take things personally. I know that's really hard, but just keep that one top of mind. Number two, don't try to fix them. Woo! Don't try to fix them. This one is hard for me personally as a support person because I want to soak up people's pain. I hate people being in pain. But trying to fix someone else, especially when you're in a close relationship with them, that's not your job. Your job is support. But you can't fix them or try and fix them. That is, it's just not healthy for you or for them. And 
you might say like, well, just do this or just do this. Just stop thinking about sad things. That was an example from this article. And yeah, you can talk to them and ask what helps or how can I be supportive, but telling them what to do and trying to just kind of fix it quickly is not going to work. And it's probably going to make that person feel worse when those pieces of advice don't fix them. So good segue into number three, don't give advice. I want to expand on a little bit more about this because I think this can be tricky. You can encourage positive change, but trying to like tell people exactly what to do is not necessarily going to help. Again, I think this is really tied to number two. It's like, it's not your job to fix them. So you can give advice. I think I would change this one a little bit. You can give advice if that person is open to hearing it. I think it's nice to be like, hey, you know, I had some thoughts about something you shared with me about where you're at. Is that okay to share with you? That's one thing. But just starting to throw all these like, I know how to fix it. Again, this one's hard for me personally to be supportive because I am like, what about eating this? What about working out? Blah, 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 blah. But that is only helpful if they are looking for it. Number four, don't minimize or compare their experience. Woo! Don't minimize or compare their experience. Yes, this is not just a bad day. So as I talked about in the first one, it's different if you have a bad day and you're low and like we all have those shitty days where you're like, I'm done. I'm going to bed. This shit is dumb. This is different. This is prolonged. Like this is a sustained period of time that you're drowning in depression and it's not just a sad day. So kind of that like minimizing, oh, we've all been there is it's so painful. It's so painful because then it makes them think, why, why can't I just get over it? Or if we've all been there, like nobody else seems to be struggling like me. Like the pain is so real and so hard to explain when you're in it. It's just, it's just not helpful to be minimized. Number five, this is important. I want you to listen up. I mean, hopefully you're listening the whole time, but listen to this one. Don't take a stance on medication. Don't take a stance on medication. You can have a personal stance on medication, but you don't get to have a stance on medication for that person. For a very long time, I never would have thought I would have ever been on antidepressants. Ever, 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 ever. I was in therapy I was doing all these other natural remedies, blah, 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 blah. And I tanked so hard that I had to start antidepressants. And I am so grateful that I did. I don't think I'll be on them forever. I'm actually looking into lowering my dose right now. But it was a really good decision for me. And I'm so lucky that the few people in my life who were supporting me through this time we're very encouraging and we're very good at saying like, yeah, maybe that is something to look into if you're considering it. But it's not that anybody said you have to be on medication or the really scary part is when people try to tell you not to. Like, I can't believe you're putting that in your body. Like, yo, I'm a big old hippie over here, but I'm going to take antidepressants 
because I need to get out of bed in the morning. So telling someone that they shouldn't be doing that, just don't. Absolutely don't do that. If they have questions and they want your opinion, again, this comes back to if they are asking you for your opinion, you talk about your stance, but make sure it's very clear that that's where you're at. That's not where they need to be at because those are two very, very different things. So those are five really important what not to do when you're supporting someone. And, you know, it's easy to just read off a list of five things, but these are really important. These are really important and could help or hinder that relationship you have with someone dealing with depression. And it could also really benefit them in the long run for you being supportive and not I mean, what all of these kind of come down to is you not internalizing that anything about the situation is your fault. As the support person, it's just not your fault. And then the second kind of like overview of all these points is that it's not your job to fix them. It is not your job to fix them or shame them or tell them what to do. You can only be there. There's these memes or images or I don't know things on the internet. I feel really old for how I just described that. I think it's a meme. Anyway, there's this image that I really love and it's of a person sitting down and they look sad and maybe there's like a cloud over them or something. And someone walks up in the scene and asks what they can do and they just sit down next to them. So it's not trying to like pull them up or be happy, like force this. You sit down with that person where they're at. That is crucial, like absolutely crucial because they're going to trust you to lean on you because you're just there, like physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is. Like if you're just there, those people for me made like the biggest difference. I don't even know how to describe how important that was to me. So... I hope this helps. I hope this gives you some tips on what not to do when supporting someone. Now that we've kind of got those things out of the way, next week, the episode will be all about what to do. So how do you support someone who's going through this? We know what not to do. Now, what do we do? Hey there, it's me. If you're digging this conversation so far around conscious living in this episode, and you're feeling inspired to make change, that's literally why I'm here. If you want sustainable ways to be sustainable, you hear eco-friendly or green and wonder if you're doing it right, you wanna make your diet more earth-friendly by going vegan, you wanna live a more connected life but you're not even sure what that means, no judgment. It is possible to feel excited about making changes to make a difference in the world every single day with your choices, to go vegan and stay vegan without feeling like you're missing anything, or to learn how to make good choices for the planet without feeling stressed. I help folks who are ready to make changes in their life that support their health and the world around them through supportive coaching, practical education, and steps that make you enjoy the process. If that's you, email me at consciouslycarly at gmail.com and let's chat. Back to the episode. Today, since we did the what not to do, today is about the what to do. So you know the things that are maybe triggering or not helpful or just not really going to get you anywhere in supporting somebody dealing with depression. So if you know what not to do, what do you do? 
and that is what I am going to talk about today. So again, I'm using a couple of articles to guide this discussion because I think it's helpful, and I'll put them in the show notes as well. One thing I wanted to start with when how to support someone with depression is learning about it. Learning about what depression is. Because it is a wild thing to try and wrap your mind around if you haven't experienced it. So if you are a support person in someone's life or you want to better understand what maybe a family member or friend is dealing with, just learning a little bit about what depression actually is, which I think you're doing by listening to this episode and I appreciate that, that can be helpful in understanding how to move forward in being supportive to someone. So that's number one. Learn about what depression is. And the resources I'm sharing in the show notes, I think, will be a good place to start. So that is number one. Number two, I'm going back and forth between two lists here and kind of putting together the things I think is really useful. So listen. Listening is a lost art. And I think that it's really important to listen without going into fix-it mode, which we talked about a little bit last week. Just listening to their experience if they're willing to share and engaging, you know, asking for more information, validating their feelings. Wow, that sounds really difficult. And just showing empathy can make someone feel like they're not alone. Help them find support. This is really crucial. So you don't have to tell them what to do. But it is nice to hear, hey, you know, if you need help finding support that I can't give or you're a little nervous to do that, I'll help you with that. I can do some research. If that is something you can offer, that is really, really, really important to encourage them to find support and to help them do that. Because it is intimidating at first if you've never worked with a therapist or a doctor or you need to think about medication or whatever it is or whoever you're going to talk to. It's kind of hard to know where to start, especially when you're in the thick of it. A really important one that's on this list is about taking care of yourself. This is a really good reminder for me as someone who wants to just like suck up everybody else's pain. You have to set boundaries. So when you're supporting someone who's dealing with a lot, remembering to take care of yourself in that you can't fix everything for them. So taking care of yourself is a good way to keep yourself healthy and also for them to not see you as the savior because that's not your role. And that's a dangerous place to get into. Offer to help with everyday tasks. This is really, really nice. Instead of saying, let me know if there's anything I can do, which is such a good phrase, right? Like, let me know if there's anything I can do. That feels really helpful. But if you're waiting for someone with depression to reach out and ask for help, you might be waiting for a while. So what about what do you most need help with today? Or if you, maybe you know this person really well, you know, your best friends and you know that 
when they get into a bad place, cooking is the thing or like eating healthy or maybe just eating kind of falls to the wayside. So, hey, can I pick up some things from the grocery store for you today? Like maybe coming up with an example of what you could do to support them might, in their mind, make them realize what would be helpful. Extend loose invitations. That is another really crucial thing. When I was kind of in the thick of a really heavy kind of downward place, it was really hard to make plans. And it was easier to cancel plans than to actually go. But canceling plans made me feel like a really shitty friend or a really shitty person. Reminding someone like, I'm just happy to see you when you feel like it. And then making sure that they don't feel bad for having to, you know, maybe step away from some events or some plans that you had made with them is really, really nice to know someone's not going to be mad at you. Be patient. This is a really important one. There is no clear line of time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Otherwise known as a timeline. There is no clear timeline for when the depression is going to get better or worse. It depends on so many different factors. So if you offer to help someone and offer to support someone, don't expect that that means tomorrow everything um, is going to be back to normal. Just It's just not. Stay in touch. Sending a quick text, even if you don't hear back from them, sending a quick text and just reminding them like, hey, I'm thinking about you is a really good seed to plant in their mind that you're a person to continue to reach out to. So diving a little deeper, I touched on a few of these in the last few examples from this article, but here are some things to actually say. So those were more of things you can do, but here are kind of pushing you to think about what you can actually say. And so the I'm here when you're ready, we touched on that. The what can I help you do today, we touched on that. Telling someone you're not alone You are not alone. I may not understand exactly how you feel, but you're not alone. Those words are so powerful. And it sounds really corny and cheesy and also maybe like obvious. (laughs) Um, But when you aren't feeling good and you're not rationally thinking, that is a really good phrase to hear. I really loved this one too. You're important to me. When you're in a dark place, even if you inherently know you have all these amazing people in your life, it's hard to feel like you're not a burden. It's hard to feel like you're not just kind of dragging people down. So a reminder of you're important to me is really, really beautiful, like really beautiful. And I can guarantee you they'll remember that you said that. I really liked this one too. Asking someone, how are you coping? So saying, wow, that that sounds like really hard. You know, if someone is telling you how they've been doing and actually discloses that they're not doing well, how are you coping? Asking that question can not only open up more of a conversation, but it might make them think about 
how they are coping. Maybe they haven't even really thought about that, or maybe they're really not doing anything. And that becomes apparent when you ask that question. And then you can be there for them to help brainstorm ways to cope, which is a really, really nice thing to do with someone. I think another one is just that reminder of telling someone like, I'm here when you're ready to talk about it. Because it's not always the first thing we want to disclose to someone, even our closest friends. We don't want to talk about struggling or feeling bad. So just reminding people like, yep, we don't have to talk about it right now, but you know, I'm very interested to hear about that. And when you're ready, I am here. That just extends that invitation. So if they're not ready in that space right then in that moment, they know that you're a person that you can count on you. Like that's someone you can go to in the future because you laid that groundwork. And that's really, really cool. I always remember working when I was working as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence, how survivors would talk about how they remember the people that like years previously said, you know, I'm still here. I believe you. Let me know when you need to talk. And even though they might not have taken them up on it in that moment, they remembered those people years later as people that were safe. So if you can lay that foundation, if you are willing and healthy enough yourself to be a support person for someone who's dealing with depression. It's really great to put that out there so that foundation is made and so that that person can stand on that later on when they're feeling a little more able to. And I think overall, the most important message is just coming from a place of non-judgment. Because let me tell you, If someone is dealing with depression, they are already feeling shitty enough and judging themselves. I felt so terrible. I had this consciousness that I'm privileged. My life is fine. I have so many great things going for me. Like, I had all that, but there was something on this chemical level that wouldn't let me fully feel how good that feels. And I needed support in that. So even though I knew that I had a lot of things going for me, I just felt like I I couldn't care and I couldn't appreciate them. And then that made me feel guilty. That made me feel shitty. What is wrong with me? I am so lucky. Why can't I like enjoy it and see it? And now I realize that there are factors outside of my control that made me feel that way. But I was already making myself feel guilty enough. So anything you can do to take that shame out of that is going to make that person feel so, so supported. And that is another really crucial thing to keep in mind. And I just want to remind you that these tips and these lists and these articles, they're there if you're able to support someone. Going back to that taking care of yourself and setting boundaries, remember that You can do this if you're in a place to do this. But if you're dealing with this yourself, dealing with depression and navigating that, which I'm going to talk more about how to support yourself in next week's episode, but if that's something you're doing, remember you don't have to be the savior for everybody else. Worry about getting yourself to a really stable place, and then you can use what you learned to help others. (laughs) 
And today I just wanted to talk a little bit about taking care of yourself. If you are dealing with depression or have in the past and want to think about how to deal with it in the future. So one thing I need to say, I am not a licensed therapist or anything of the sort. I am someone talking through my lived experience and through various positions in life that I've had to help people with trauma and that type of thing. So it's kind of a conglomeration of all of my knowledge, but I am not a therapist. So I want that to be said and to be known. So speaking of therapy, that is the number one thing I would think about if you have struggled with depression in the past and you have not sought out outside help. Now, is therapy going to fix everything? No, absolutely not. Is therapy the only way to deal with depression? Again, absolutely not. Is therapy not accessible to certain people? Yes, and that's a huge freaking problem. However, if you can, and if you have access to, I really encourage you to reach out. Something I realized that I did in the past was move through depressive episodes And when I was feeling better and someone would talk about therapy or I would think about therapy, it would feel silly because I felt better. So why why go to a therapist when you feel better, right? I ended up going to therapy when I had a complete breakdown, like complete breakdown. I was scaring myself. And I started therapy that way. And I'm really glad I did. And I still go to this day. That was a couple years ago when I started. And it has been a complete game changer because it is a space where I don't have to take care of anybody but myself. I get to be fully honest. And I'm given tools to help move through some of these things that sometimes seem like they're impossible. That is the best part about going to therapy is getting these tools that, you know, even if you suggest them to somebody else, you have a hard time wrapping your head around them yourself. So that is kind of like my number one. I wish I could make therapy accessible to everyone because I think it would make the world a better place. I know that sounds silly, but like when you deal with your shit and your trauma and your past, man, does life get a little bit easier. So if you can, that is my first suggestion if you want to just work some stuff out. So that being said, let's say that you are starting to kind of fall into that pit of depression and you are trying to gather tools and gather ways to move through it maybe a little easier. When I have mentioned to my therapist in the past, like, oh, I'm worried winter is coming. I'm worried that I'm going to kind of crash again. She always reminds me that you survived it last time and you have more tools and more knowledge. So this time is going to be different. And that is really important. So I want to give you some of those tools that just might seem simple, 
but really help when you're starting to slip into that. So some of these are from another article I found, but I will share that in the show notes. This one is really, really crucial. Wake up and get out of bed. (laughs) Seriously, wake up and get out of bed. The longer you lay in bed when you are not in a good place, all of those negative thoughts come streaming back in through your brain and then you can just sit there and stew in it. But if you start moving, you start to see things a little differently. You start to see things a little differently and things start to feel a little more possible. So if you can... Get up when you wake up. Don't dwell in anything that's going to come into your brain upon coming back into the conscious world. If you are someone who struggles in the mornings, and let's say you are going to lay in bed for a minute, have a book handy or a journal or something you can do that is a way to kind of set up your day So you don't sit in those thoughts. So maybe if those thoughts are becoming really intrusive and overwhelming, maybe you just journal them and write them all out. For me, that always feels like I'm getting them out of my body, like I'm putting them on the page to get them out of my body. Or maybe a book. Or I hesitate to say this because it's complicated. I generally don't prescribe or suggest social media right in the morning. I myself have been trying more and more to not reach for my phone, not go onto social media or any apps until I kind of do my little morning routine. However, if you can text a friend that knows that you're struggling, or if you can go watch like what's your funniest favorite YouTube video, I have a few that I can watch again and again. For example, Chris Pratt bloopers from Parks and Rec or... Ali Wong stand-up. There's a few that I know will always make me laugh. And if you can do something like that, then by all means, go on your phone and start laughing. Just like start laughing. It's so good for you to start your day that way. Another big one, and I think this can start not just in the morning, but in your evening before going to bed, plan your day. When you wake up and you're like, oh, fuck gosh, another day and I'm just not feeling it. When you already have a plan, when you made a plan, when you were in a better place, let's say, then you kind of have some structure. Then you can say, okay, you know what? I made a plan for this. I made a plan for this moment. And then you're not, you're not stewing again in those negative thoughts. Even if it's like you put on your calendar, eat breakfast, walk the dog, whatever it is, have things on your calendar that alert you to, I have things to do today. I have a difference to make today. This is another big one, being clean. Now, I am kind of a neat freak in some ways, but I could tell things weren't going well when I stopped doing the dishes for a while. And I'm not just talking like, you know, you leave a dish and then you run to your next activity or whatever it is. I mean like leaving piled up dishes because if anyone knows me, that's like my biggest trigger. I hate doing the dishes. I hate a sink of dirty dishes. When I was doing that, it kind of hit me like, oh, wow, I'm really not feeling it today because the kitchen is a mess. If you can keep your place 
somewhat organized, it can make your mind feel a little more organized. And clean yourself. Take a bath. Take a shower. Give yourself five minutes of taking care of your body. Get like the best smelling body wash you've ever smelled that just makes you like, ah, every time you use it in the shower, something like that where you look forward to it. So more taking care of yourself, feeding yourself well. Now, of course, my thoughts are a plant-based diet is the best way to take care of yourself. So if you can get lots of fruits and veggies and whole foods, protein in, or even just like a good meal, like start with a good meal, anything, that is a great start. Again, you are showing yourself that you are worth taking care of and it just makes you feel better. And we need a lot of the nutrients in whole foods. So those contribute to our brains functioning, to our tiredness, to our alertness, if we're getting good rounded meals. Find another human, whether through text, through call, through going for a walk, that gets you and that understands you and that is not going to be afraid if you say something like, I'm really having an off day. I have a friend who, no matter what I say, I know she won't be freaked out. I know that, I mean, I have a a few friends like this. I feel very fortunate. But we have to have at least one person in our life that we can say, I think I'm feeling depressed. And that is not going to scare them. So think of that person for you. And tell them, you're my person who I feel really comfortable with sharing this scary stuff. Is that okay with you? And then they know that you might be reaching out to them in those moments. Here's another one from the list in the article I'm going to share that I love, of course, but I love how they phrased it. It says, spend 10 minutes learning about meditation. Guess what? Meditation is amazing. The science says that. There's proof in the pudding. I know that it can be intimidating to meditate. There is a lot of images that get conjured in our mind that may make it seem really unattainable for you. But the thing I like about this phrase is it says learning about meditation. So you don't have to wake up tomorrow and be some expert and meditate for an hour. But what if you took 10 minutes to learn about meditation? Or maybe you just listened to a meditation while doing other things, not yet sitting down and quieting the mind because that can be scary, but just learning about meditation. If you need some help, I can totally assist you in that and have resources on my website. So just keep me in mind if you need any guidance. The last thing, don't buy into depression think. This is an illness. It is not who you are. You are dealing with depression. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean that you are down for the count or that it changes who you are at your core because who you are at your core is the person that's going to help you through it. Remember how strong you are, how amazing you are, how much you mean to everybody else in the world and how much you mean to yourself. And you might not feel that yet. You might not feel that yet. But loving yourself 
is really important in these moments because you then learn to care and contribute to your own well-being in a different way. So remember that you are loved, you are cared about. I love you. I care about you. I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. If you ever need resources or help or just want to say the words, I think I'm dealing with depression and I need a place to start, I'm always here for that because I had people in my life who allowed me to name those scary things and it made all the difference. And finally, if you need help, there are so many amazing resources out there for someone to talk to. You can go to Psychology Today and find a therapist. You can go to BetterHelp. There are all these different places that are trying to make resources like therapy more accessible. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Consciously Clueless. And for that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this new episode, and if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tag me and share in social media. Share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. To get more resources, influence on topics covered, and bonus content, join the Consciously Clueless community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. And don't forget, if you need help living more consciously, let's work together. Email me today. See you next Wednesday for a new episode. This podcast is supported by all the brands that I love and that I get to work with. Considering how much I talk about the fact that we should be buying less, you know if I'm promoting a brand, it means I use it myself and I love it. Sometimes the stars align and I score discount codes for the brands that I love. If you go to consciouslycarly.com shop, you'll find discount codes for brands like Parade, that sells sustainable underwear, Terra Seed that is vegan vitamins, Joy selling sustainable plant-based milk alternatives, plain products that shows a new way to provide the world a shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more by using returnable, recyclable containers. There is so much on that page of all the brands that support this podcast and support the work I do. So don't forget to go to consciouslycarly.com shop to check all of that out. Mm-hmm.